Welcome to Hoof and Horn, a witch's podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, paganism, music, the occult, and whatever else we want. Welcome back to the Hoof and Horn podcast. You might think that we are the laziest podcasters in the world, and to one degree maybe we are, but I like to think of us like the band Tool, you know? We put out a podcast when we're inspired and we have something to say. But honestly, life just gets in the way. School gets in the way, kids get in the way, jobs get in the way, health get in the way, and moving gets in the way. Or really, maybe those are the things that we need to be focusing on. And then when we get together and we have something to talk about, there's an episode. In this episode, we have a conversation about ancestor veneration. While it's a part of our practice to venerate and work with our ancestors year-round, it's often at this time of the year where you see more talk about ancestors or there's that idea that the veil is thinning something that we do speak about in this episode. I hope that you'll enjoy it. And maybe if you're unsure about how to start working with your ancestors, this will inspire you to take action. Music in this episode by Sharon Knight and T. Thorn Coyle, available on their CD, Songs for the Waiting Year, and used with permission. We would love to know if you had questions, comments, and you can email us at hoof.horn.podcast at gmail.com. You can leave us messages on our Facebook and on our Instagram, as well as our TikTok. Because questions help make for a great conversation. You'll see in this episode that Braxis had tons of questions, and it really helped us pull the information together as we went through. So again, thank you for listening. Drop us a line and enjoy. Love 
I moved since our last podcast, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I moved. It's been awesome, actually, living on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only to have a space that's just your energy, but I now have a full room dedicated to my altar. Lovely. It's very nice, too. Thank you. I'm very proud of it. We visited you and had a, had a meeting at your house. I'm very, I'm very proud kitties. of it. Oh, my babies. My babies. Braxis has a new baby, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, he showed up on the porch the other night, and I fed him, and he was there again the other night. And I brought him in the house. And then she brought him in the house, and he's been in here since then. I don't know where he went to, but he's all black. I decided to call him Jedi Pharaoh. So we'll see how that turns out. So far, so good. Other animals seem to be okay with him. Everybody's pretty chill. I lost my baby kitty for like a day and a half. Oh yeah, Medusa. Yeah, podcasted. But I found her. Should we post video, post pictures of Of our our animals? Oh my lord! To the podcast, I would love for us to post pictures. We're gonna do that. And just so you know, Braxis's child, new child, is a cat, not a human baby. That was dropped off at the porch. On the steps, like a refuge. (laughs) Refugee on the steps of the church. Well, I took him in, so. He was just screaming, sanctuary, (laughs) sanctuary. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, how, I mean, it's been quite some time since our last podcast, hasn't it? Yeah. What even was our last podcast? Are we really, we're amazing podcast hosts. What was even our last podcast? Our last it was pop- back was... when The Hobbit was being filmed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I it was was it, it wasn't a Sabbath one, was it? Or actually taking place. No, it was it was operative magic and reproductive health care. Oh, it was a great one. That was a I thought that was that a phenomenal was our, podcast. Like, I think that was our best one so far. Yeah. Now we can top it. We just get better and better. Right. Every time. Right. We do this very inconsistently. <laughs> we do it when this when the when the spirit strikes us. Speaking of spirits. Because you know Samuel, they love to talk. <laughs> what is our podcast tonight? Our podcast topic tonight is going to be about ancestor veneration. Mm. How to start an ancestral practice why you should start an ancestral practice, and generally the thoughts and opinions that I have on ancestral veneration, of which my opinions are vast and numerous. <laughs> Not only on ancestor veneration, but on everything. <laughs> it's, it's the Libra in me. That's true. Um, so that's what, we're, that's what we're going to talk about today. I just did a ritual 
a ritual that is required by, well, the ritual itself isn't, this particular ritual isn't required by votary training, but to do a public ritual is a requirement of the second year of votary training, which you can find more information about on templeofthehallowedgods.com. Boom. Of which Braxis and I are both in. Shameless plug! (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I feel like the shameless plug would be telling them, hey, we are also teaching an elementary witch course starting... January? January 1st. That's when open enrollment is. Everybody looks at each other. Wait, what? Because I was thinking Samhain, but that's when we're actually going to, you know... Hey, yeah. this is a thing. Talk about and, it. and tell people right. to give us their money to take these classes. That's a shameless plug. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> of but which I am be, still shamelessly plugging. Yeah, it will be through Zoom, so you can be any place. It's something that we would require of anybody working in circle with us, but anybody can take the, the classes. Absolutely. And I'll be listing them on the Temple of the Hallowed Gods page under the Indianapolis banner. Um, there are also, I do want to offer the Hecate class and the herbalism class that I have through there too. I just have to finish up my school. So it'll probably be a beginning of the year maybe thing that I might offer. Mm-hmm. Although I might get bored in November since I don't have any more clients until January because all the October babies are now Earthside. Right, so? Um But yeah. Ancestors. Ancestors. What number was that, though? Sorry. For me? Uh-huh. I think it was... You think? You're not keeping track anymore? Well, because I started to do, like, a little bit of a countdown from, like, it was 254, and then I did, like, a little countdown of, like, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, to, like, when I'm done and announcing that I no longer do hospital-regulated practices and are more focusing on out-of-hospital support. So I sort of was counting in a different way. And I will tell you in about three seconds how many that is births for me. The last time I posted 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58 today. So 258 people I've seen be born. That's a lot. 258 wow. little people. Oh, the oldest is, is probably... Fucking lot. Fifth, was 15? Or four, she might have turned 14 this year. This Aww. past July. And one is less than one day old. Wow. So, yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. What a great job for a high priestess of Hakate. Hakate. <laughs> Living a little birth, right? Um, How cool. Yeah, so... Sorry, ancestors... Back on track. Hey, birth is a very ancestral thing, you know? It was a very fucking scary thing when our ancestors were alive and earthside. Still is a scary thing. It can be. It can be, especially if you're birthing in the system, but don't get me fucking started on that shit. I mean, Um, uh, birthing mothers were, were considered to be some of the most powerful in that moment of birth. There's a story about Maha... Uh, she's an Irish goddess, an aspect or a sister of my patron, the Morrigan, where in the midst of birth, after having raced the king's horses and mm. won, it, she cursed the men of Ulster in the moment that she was giving birth, which was supposed to be when she was touching 
the spiritual world and the physical world and she cursed them all with pangs of child labor when they needed their strength the most oh shit absolutely and so i mean she's also considered a sacrificial goddess because of that um because she died unfortunately after childbirth but whenever they were in battle when they needed their strength the most they all fell with childbirthing pains so which will stop you in your tracks let me tell you what record scratch but back to ancestor veneration it is the foundation of my practice um, having been initiated into my godmother's espiritismo house Casa de Paolo in Indianapolis um, I am a crowned espiritista so my my lineage is in Afro-Caribbean traditional spiritualism um, and that's how I know my ancestors, even though all of my ancestors, as far as I'm aware, are white people. I am 100% European, or excuse me, I am 99.7%. I have 0.3% Portuguese oh, in me. Oh, it's Yeah, eight, thousands of years back, actually, just so far, so far <laughs> removed, so far removed. So I would highly recommend, during this time period of Samhain, you know, to start developing an ancestral practice of some kind. Um, it's been always my belief that your ancestors, beloved dead, spirits known and unknown, named and unnamed, are the easiest spirits to work with because they have no ill intention towards you. My belief is, and this is not historically true, a lot of um, traditional ancestral veneration practices were about honoring your ancestors so they don't fuck up your right. life. Right, right. Because so that mad banging down the door. Yeah, yeah, especially when they were and ancestors were being buried in the house, yeah. in the floor. So they were there with the family. If you did not in the other world was very bleak. They couldn't there was no sustenance. So you had to give them sustenance like water. But that's also why I was told spirits possess people, like mounting them. Mm-hmm. Um and that's why when they come over, they want to drink, they want to smoke, they want to eat, they want to do all the things that they cannot do in the spiritual world through the body of the medium. Um, so I'd highly recommend getting started. And on it, honestly, all it takes is a single white candle and a glass of water. And that is your ancestor altar until you start to amass just so many things. Just, Photos and... Items. items, yeah, trinkets, yeah. trinkets, trinkets, Chachka. memorabilia, Chachka. stuff, the stuff that you put in your bone throwing set. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was Chachki. Chachki, yeah, Chachka, Chachki. Wow, you're throwing some new lingo, a Chachka. You know, the It's from the streets of Long Island. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you. You're from Long Island. I'm from Long Island. Hey yo. <laughs> <laughs> um. So why should you start an ancestral practice? Um, Not only do I think that your ancestors, one, are the easiest spirits to work with, but they also love you just all the time, you know? Yeah. It's so easy to call on the spirits of your beloved dead because they are residing in your body, per se. You know, not that your, you know, dead people are living in your physical form, but your blood's their blood. Their bones are your bones, or what were their bones. So they're the easiest to call upon because they just reside so close to you. Yeah. 
Um, the ritual that I just put on, I did mention to the ritual participants, which were students from uh, my past college and my favorite professors, alma my alma mater, uh, and my favorite professors that I had. So I'm very thankful that I got to do it for people that I kind of knew, but also were people from my past. They got to see me now, you know, what is two years later after graduating. Um, I mentioned that the idea of the veil is such a new concept. And I hope that on the other end of this lovely little microphone that I am, that there is gasps. <gasps> what? Shocks. What? A witch that saying. That is ancient, Samuel. Uh, Liar. A, a witch saying that the veil is not real. I absolutely 100% believe that. 100%. Our ancestors did not believe that the veil, the veil was not a thing. It was an uh, idea that was imposed upon our practices and traditions by an overarching religious power to farther separate us from our belief system or from the people or spirits that we practice with. So I think that to develop a good ancestral practice it is best to forego the idea that they are in some untouchable realm or they can only be accessed during points of time during the year um, because really all you need to do is call on their name and they're right there snap snap quick now yeah. having said that what's so special about Samhain that is all about the ancestor I think it's uh, a holiday created around a time of year I was mentioning this at the prison the other day things are dying Right, so we're seeing the deciduous trees are dying back, our crops are kind of dying, we're moving into winter, and I think we then start thinking about death and the dead more at this time. So here's a, a Sabbath of this end, Celtic, right, the, the Irish end of summer, beginning of winter, like the physical agricultural world is dying back, so that's making us think more about our ancestors who have died so here's the time like let's celebrate them and maybe we're not particularly thinking so much about our dead when shit's in bloom more mm -hmm. like i think it's just kind of connecting us yeah what i think probably in the past too is a lot of them died because of the alcohol culture that was going on or didn't right this on. might be the time where maybe you don't make it to this brain right. you know mm-hmm mm -hmm. Um, and that is something important to mention, too, just because I said the idea of the veil isn't, in my opinion, salient. But times of year are still vastly important to spiritual activity. Right. So high point... Energy's going out right Yes, there. yes, yeah. absolutely. And just, and just because I said that the, like, these ancestors and spirits, beloved dead, are not in some inaccessible realm, you know, that they're with you all the time doesn't mean that other spirits aren't more active during high points in the year. So Samhain is a time for ancestors, but it's also a point where spirits are more active. Mm -hmm. Not because the veil is thinner, but I think it's just because of our collective consciousness on thinking about them. Right. You know? And our collective consciousness reflected off of what our particular, what's happening outside of the window. Mm -hmm. We're thinking about the dead more because things are dying back and mm -hmm. we're going into a cold death-like time. Mm -hmm.
And so you said that things are going out. When the do energy. they come back in? Energy's going out. When does the energy come back in? Would Is that spring? Back. Yeah, spring and through Beltane, Equinox. Mm-hmm. Depending on, I think, where you are. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? We're, you know, we hit April-ish here, and you really see a beautiful bloom. And, and I think this part of the world... I've noticed that since I've lived here that April is just everything is blooming and by the time it's like May and or round time of Bialtana, mm-hmm. here's like a really everything's kind of blooming and flowering and then that harvest will start to mm-hmm. harvest time starts to roll through. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like the energies the energy of birth is kind of coming in and the and then you have the energies of death as our crops and our trees and our mm-hmm. flowers go away and hibernate mm-hmm. and go to the underworld where we put our dead yeah if we're not cremating them yeah right yeah. so yeah. i think energetically those those tides of the year mm-hmm. just saw that california festival i think it's california <laughs> where you can bury your uh relatives on your land now really yeah. i love that yeah. the um you guys need to read the book um, by Tomas Prower. It's Morbid Magic. Morbid Magic. It's That's a great a, name. It's a fantastic book. He talks about death, rich, uh, death rites and rituals and uh, death spirituality from all across the world. Historical things, too. Um, I've read that book twice. One for a votary uh, assignment and then another one just because, you know, death is a fascinating concept. And I do think it's important to mention, too, that... Um, your ancestors, at least my ancestors, are a part of my daily practice. I clean my altar once a week on the same day because I've always learned and was taught that consistency. Small consistency is more important than big flashy ritual every so often. You gain more out of out of doing things consistently because you're showing effort. And witchcraft, paganism... In my mind, is not only reciprocal, but you get out of it what you put into it in kind. So if you only, you know, light a candle every once in a while, well, you're only going to get a little like that in back as well. But if you put time, effort, energy into something consistently, not only spirituality, but just any project in general, you know, yeah. you really think you're going to build that. Out, you, what you put in is what you get out. Right? Yeah. I feel like too that space becomes a battery. Yeah. And the more that you do the thing, the more it stores up that to make it easier each time, quicker to get to the point each mm-hmm. time, rather than warming it up, it's always running, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I do, th- and I like that. I like that concept that your, what you do becomes like an energetic high point, you know? It's like your own personal ley line, you know? And I think that's a good time to mention too, like ancestral altars. My belief on the ancestral altar is that my ancestors' altar is their actual physical connecting point to this plane of existence. Not, I mean, myself, obviously, you know, but my altar for my ancestors is their home, and I believe that they are always present there, which is why you, and I said this to the students, too, um, at the ritual, I was like, you shouldn't be naked in front of your ancestor altar, because just imagine, and I'm glad that I got a chuckle or two out of the kids, too, because I was like, oh, no, I don't know how old they are, and I'm mentioning, you know, being naked. Sorry, Grandma. Um, Yeah, yeah, like, you wouldn't want, That's why I was like, get your grandma's picture out of your bedroom. Yeah, Grandma doesn't want to see you naked. Right. (laughs) Right, so now Grandma's in the living room. Yep, yep. So uh, keep your ancestor altar somewhere that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I've always noticed, too, that my ancestor altar tends to be where pipes are, 
water pipes. Oh, funny. Yes. Mm -hmm. So my ancestor altar is closest to the bathroom where the water pipes are, you know. My old ancestor altar, my last apartment, was right next to the water heater. Um, and whenever the bathroom was flushed or the water was running in the bathrooms, you could hear it behind the walls. It's a traditional place for ancestor altars to be in the bathroom, if you could believe it, or in a basement, because water is right. a okay. spiritual connector. Yeah. And the basement is obviously underground where your ancestors are, so it's a pseudo-underworld. Mm -hmm. Mine's in the, um, in, like, the living room. It's, I guess my house is kind of open mm -hmm. floor plan outside of the kitchen and bedrooms and stuff like that but it's sort of like the center activity of the house so that they can be witness and part of that and see what's going on in mm -hmm. the day-to-day -day, you know what I mean uh, that would be the place I would want grandpa to kind of have if he's got eyes through right yeah. it would not be in my bedroom it would be more in you know, in the living room. Uh, if I think about it, it's the back side of the, of the hearth yeah. or the oven. Yeah. Which then connects me to, you know, grandmothers and even, you know, I had a, a, a I think a great grandfather who owned like a little grocery store, you know, so it's, it's nice to have them central right there. Yeah. Especially because I was always taught that you talk to your beloved dead as if they're still alive. You're, you don't talk to them as if they are like somewhere inaccessible, like I had mentioned previously. Like you talk to them like they're still there, you know, because they are still there in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Like I've, I always, I love whenever I talk to my ancestors out loud because to me that's praying. It's just a conversation, but that's prayer to me. It doesn't have to be this long flow, even though I love the Orphic hymns. But the Orphic hymns, in my mind, is more ritualistic. Prayer is personal and it's simple and it's pow but it's also it can be simple and powerful at the same time. But I think that's a, uh, the difference between what I believe the ancestral altar is versus what the deity's altar is, or your ent or your higher entity's altars are. I don't believe the Morgan is at her altar all the time. No, no. no. And, I, and, and honestly, when I light the candle, she isn't there all the time either. I get a cursory glance from her, and she's like, okay, and then moves on. Okay, thanks. Okay, thanks. <laughs> but I like good offerings, you know. I'm glad that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Right. You know, but, but when I call her into ritual, that's her connecting point to my space where I'm at, you yeah. know. So that is her, her space away from whatever she's doing. You know, but my ancestor, no one's going to have an altar to my ancestors. That's not me, you know, so they don't have to be anywhere else other than where, where they are at my, my place. Mm -hmm. The Morgan or our deities are, I mean, how many altars do you think are made to the Morgan, let alone a popular deity of the time, Hakate, right. you know, like. I don't think the and honestly, I don't know if I'd want her at the apartment all the time. <laughs> kind of scary. Well, yeah, no. Um, just, and there might be times you don't want your ancestors. That would be like why you don't have them in your bedroom, maybe. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and obviously they know privacy. Like if it's a intimate moment, they're not gonna be like, "Hey, excuse me, excuse me, you didn't, not you didn't doing it right." <laughs> <laughs> let me give you, let me give you some tips. Grandpa, yeah. Grandpa had twelve kids. Right. He can give you some he pointers. Knows. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they know when intimate moments are happening. 
Like they're not gonna barge in on you, but they but do talk. it could also make them uncomfortable too. Like, yeah. do, you, could, do you really? You know, I feel like it might be uncomfortable as an as an ancestor to have your connecting point in someone's bedroom. Mm-hmm. This is me, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, getting you already mentioned the getting started with a a candle and and um, a cup of water. I you know I try to do like a a Sunday cup of coffee or tea. Mm-hmm. You know, I found a really cool cup at the antique store when we were over at that antique store in the square that said, remember me oh. on it. And I was like, this is perfect for, you said Samhain. And I was like, yes, but every other day than Samhain, it's going to go on my ancestor altar. Yeah. So yeah. I actually did use that, uh, that cup when I was watching the Queen's funeral, I did. I made a little cup of tea of English breakfast tea and I utilized it. But it was Fancy. But, yeah, I know. pictured it as the cup for the dumb supper. Yeah. Yeah. The dumb supper, what a fascinating thing. Do you know, what? what's a dumb supper? Let us know. Oh, that's, I know you know. <laughs> well, someone else I might know. not know. Oh, uh, you know, where you uh, set a table with some food and water and, uh, the accoutrement of that you have for the meal and it's just a place for them you've set a place for them you haven't forgotten them uh they're still welcome mm-hmm. and it's eating in silence yeah right? and the dumb part of it being an old word for I, yeah meat. muted right. right uh and i kind of liked we, we did that one year and uh everybody else was I think we, the table was actually separate. It was a smaller one. It was just off from all the seats that were at a long table of people who were actually living. <laughs> but we all said a thing about whoever it was, whatever ancestor, you know, just one or two things about maybe one or two ancestors and went all the way around. So if they were sitting there, you know, you were bringing up, you know, yeah. that you still remembered them and, uh, you know, just good memories about them. Yeah, like that was the only talking at the table in that part of the ritual was talking of and mm-hmm. speaking of an ancestor. And I think we started that off with Beyond the Gage chant, which is mm-hmm. fucking just great for that. Such a good chant. I'll use mm-hmm. it in this in this in this episode, I'll put it in. Every time I hear that, because uh, that came from there, right? The thirteenth warrior? It's I think it's inspired by okay, right. it must be inspired by um, it's a Sharon Knight and a Thorn Coil chant from their Songs of the Waiting Year. That's good. Um, if you haven't seen Thirteenth Warrior, that's, and the uh, that's, the that's prayer good. that they say before they go to battle, mm-hmm. there's like something similar to that chant and this prayer that the those Viking Norsemen, the Northmen, mm-hmm. say before they walk into battle, invoking their ancestors. This uh, coven loves a good Sharon Knight chant. Yes, mm-hmm. we do. We love Sharon we Knight's do. chant. We do. Uh, what, how does he say? Uh, something about, Lo, there do I see my father. Lo, there do I see my mother and my sisters and my brothers. Lo, there do I see the line of my people going back to the beginning. And, yeah. That really is that chant, though, isn't it? It's very similar. Yeah. It's very similar. I, I, I never asked her, but I wonder, I just assume it must be inspired by, or just very similar. Yeah. So. Or there's something that they're both pulling for. From, yeah. you know, ancient, yeah. you know, yeah. north, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. But also, so <laughs> there's something that I I wanted to mention in the ritual, but I didn't. Okay. And I meant to. 
and I felt like I was talking too much and I was like just say some short things here and every once in a while because I feel awful when I get on a soapbox and I just talk and at some at some points I'm like I'm just hearing myself talk but honestly I'm not even hearing myself talk I'm just can't shut up but there is a conversation that people who are white Caucasian about working with our ancestors because our ancestors typically have had a rough history of being colonizers, slave owners, Nazis, you know, awful, Mm -hmm. you know, people. Um, And so I would like to mention that Beloved Dead, and this is my belief and my opinion, by the way, um, just to state, this is unverified personal gnosis. Uh, the UPG. UPG. And- the UPG. Um, when when we die, when our spirits leave our physical bodies and that silver cord is cut when we move on to the other side, you lose your physical dogma. The human part of yourself is, is gone. You know, so racism, homophobia, um, all of the other things, you know, xenophobia, transphobia, transphobia, all of those things are no longer attributed to a beloved dead spirit. Mm -hmm. So calling on your ancestors, you're not venerating your Nazi ancestor. You're not venerating your slave-owning ancestor. You're not. Um, So please put that worry aside that you as a white person cannot engage in ancestor veneration. If anything, white people should should engage in ancestor veneration so that you are no longer perpetuating what your ancestors possibly did. You know, I don't know if my ancestors were Nazis because I was adopted at birth, but I assume that they did pretty bad things sometimes, but they also, they grow when they become spirit. Mm So uh, very much put that worry outside of yourself. And also, as a gay man too, I'm not concerned with my ancestors being homophobic because they, the ancestors I venerate, because they wouldn't work with me anyway if they were. But they don't, they don't do that when they're, when they're an elevated beloved dead. They, they no longer hold those earthly issues. Mm-hmm. So white people absolutely should engage in ancestor veneration because we know what our ancestors did in the past. And the best way to undo all of that is by living differently than they did in the past. Cycle break, right? Yes, absolutely. You know, if grandpa was quite racist, acknowledge that he made some mistakes and did some not, maybe thought some not nice ways and you're breaking the cycle of that, it doesn't necessarily mean... I mean, I think that there's, there's there's also a level of ancestor veneration when you've been directly uh, harmed or abused by an ancestor. No, you don't have to include them on your altar, right? No. So the majority of, of my ancestors I do have on there. I have my, both my grandmothers on there. I think I took my grandma's prayer card out of the drawer because I do get mad at her sometimes, you know? She was kind of a shitty grandma to a certain degree. And there's probably reasons that she was the way she was that I will never understand. And there was a certain element of me not really understanding certain parts of why she was the way she was until she died. And I sit there at her wake and and funeral and watching these videos of pictures and in every picture there's another kid 
and another kid and another kid up to like 12 of them and two of them that we know of that made it to infancy died so there was 14 if not some additional miscarriages that we think were in there right so i'm standing there now as a mom of two boys who are that take all of my fucking energy and i cannot imagine there being 12 of them like 10 more aiden and kieran's you kidding me and as i stood there I finally understood why my grandmother really didn't have a lot left for us. Then there's 27 of these <laughs> grandchildren. Like, she didn't even have a lot left. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily... I mean, I forgave her to a certain degree. I understood her then. And I can keep her on the altar for that. Her husband? Never. Like, I don't... Never. Never. Ever. Ever. I guess I'm not as elevated as a person that can keep him there and say any kind of prayers for him and leave him anything when I still feel directly affected by his abusive things that he did, right? So mm -hmm. you you can choose to like go back further than the grandparents or maybe great-grandparents or you remember. Mm -hmm. You don't have a direct... And they don't have maybe a direct influence on you and you can choose to leave one out or if you feel like no I'm going to put this abusive person on there and I'm going to pray for them and leave them the offerings and try and elevate their fucking spirit mm -hmm. like y you can mm -hmm. but you also don't have to absolutely either you, absolutely you don't not. have to um, and I think to like put the ancestors on there <laughs> that you that you know and love deeply you know because more follow. So right now you may not have your abusive grandpa on the ancestor altar, but if you work with your ancestors and connect with them frequently, give them offerings, pray for their elevation because they pray for ours, you may end up putting that abusive person on the altar because it's a part of yourself that is healed knowing that your ancestor did what they did because of what their ancestor did to them and what their ancestor did to them and what an their ancestor did to them and so on back until your family's beginning. Agnosium. Mm. So, yeah. tr so true. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm not saying, you know, like, put the abuser on the altar, but what I am saying is is that when you get that feeling it, to put them on the altar... That may be your ancestors saying, okay, honey, it's time to heal this within yourself and elevate them. Because in my mind, and how I think this is supposed to work, is that all of my ancestors deserve light. All of my ancestors deserve water. They deserve offerings. Because they went through shit, especially ancient shit. You know, we were starting to, we started talking about birth. Birth is hard now. Couldn't imagine when it, couldn't imagine what our ancestors went through to give birth back then. It was probably easier. Probably Honestly. easier. I yeah. mean, a little bit more caring too. Yeah, it was probably easier because it wasn't induced. And yeah, I mean, if you if you made it to the the actual birth part, it was more the pregnancy that would be precarious. Can you keep that one going? Mm -hmm. You know, and maybe the the immediate postpartum of keeping mom safe, and we didn't, you know. But I think there's a lot of lost skill. Um, I was just having a, a, an, a conversation with someone in Italy who posted some, some birth for between like 
the 1700s and now and all like the childbirth death and to hear and not to be saying that everybody should be having home births today and doing brief hold the fucking phone right there's a lot of reasons why people might have died back in the day can we just talk about the 1800s when men didn't wash their hands i was just when they thinking didn't that wash their hands if they examined a woman that died from an infection but now she's dead and now we can actually visualize her female parts because we can't look at a woman's female parts that's alive because that's improper so let's go examine the dead body not wash her hands walk into the birthing suite and reach under that blanket and touch her with the dead corpse germs and now we're going to be like childbirth was so fucking dangerous mm -hmm. no it was the fact that it was iatrogenic dirty ass men killing women so per did you have clean water did you have sanitation i feel like i would be I mean, as a man, I'm saying this. I feel like I would be much more comforted as a as a person giving birth, if I was surrounded by like grandmas, right? Who had given Women. birth to who had given birth to twelve children, right? Ladies you know? who are in the room and can see and know the skills. It's it's, it's a whole other it's a whole other podcast to talk about mm -hmm. why people die today mm -hmm. and di you know did people? Of course, people died, right? Of course, people died, but I think that there's a there's a, there's a selling point there. There's a selling point, and it's, what does my mentor say? There's a, uh, mark, the marketing tool is fear, right? The marketing tool is fear that if you're not gonna utilize their services, which are not great, their marketing tool is deep, and they've had a good 400 years to get you to utilize those services. Mm -hmm. um, and, and birth isn't as, as dangerous as they want to make it out to be. And women's bodies aren't so dangerous to their babies as they want to make you believe. But I mean, you were like, and treat you that you were, way. You were incubated in that body. I would hardly assume that it would be bad for you. No. Uh, but I think that's something else that ancestor veneration at least did for me. I no longer fear death because I have a loving connection with my beloved dead. Um, I don't think about it as something as like horrific and scary and uh, like oh my god like I'm like if I die I'm just gonna get blackness no because I have an active connection with the spirit world and also uh, I've always made the joke that whenever I die so this is how I think that it happens is that when you die you are met on in that space um, with a spirit that you know that you rec could recognize that could be like, hey, you've died. Let's, uh, do you have any questions? Let's go on, let's move on, you know? Whoever's gonna meet me on the other side is gonna be like, all right, Sam, you've died, where'd he go? And I'll be already through the gate. And I'll be like, Running. I'll be sprinting to that bitch. I'll be like, I'll be like, I'm over it. Thank God, finally it happened when it was supposed to happen. I'm outie. Like, I will not make the decision to stay here and be an earthbound, no ma'am, I am, sprinting through that fucking door. Thank you very much. They don't even need a spirit to meet me on the other side. They'll be like, that bitch is willingly coming. <laughs> what was that streak? Oh, there it is. Now, now, do you think that's a, uh, a, a decision you get to make? So I absolutely, and so the people on the podcast know, my eyes got really big when he asked me that because I think that's how it happens. So I think when you die, the whole idea of free will is still absolutely there. So that's where I think we get the difference between earthbound spirits and beloved dead or ancestors who are on the other side. So you get the decision when you die, 
that spirit's going to say, okay, so it's time to move on. And if you say no, they're not going to drag you through. No, you know, universal being is going to giant hand grab you, basketball uh, palm your forehead and drag you to the other side. They're going to be like, fine, you can stay. That's why I love the ghost whisperer. Because she helps spirits yeah. move on. Yeah. yeah okay, and those so are earthbound spirits. We have, uh, let's say we have a building and we have, you know, a, a traumatic experience attached to it. Uh, the woman, you know, dies and has now haunted the house. And then they tear the house down. What happens to that spirit, do you think? I think she very well could still be haunting that area, thinking yeah. that there's a house there because mm-hmm. it still exists to her, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Like if I I die tomorrow, I'm gonna be an earthbound spirit. I know that because mm-hmm. I would. F- I've already I've told you that like a couple of weeks ago. I'd be haunting Aiden, Aiden, and Kieran. Like I am not ready to to be away from that. I know I I can barely let them out of my sight now. now do you could you imagine if I was dead? Yeah. Is that a decision that's permanent? No. 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 If I, I think that I will, I will hover, make sure that my children try to help them as much as I possibly can. And I think that if that happened to me and I saw like, okay, he's got his job and he's starting a family. And I think I could possibly decide, okay, I'm okay now. They're okay. So I can maybe process on. In my own experience with I can't call him an ancestor because he is lateral to me, mm-hmm. right? When it was my own brother, he definitely stayed around. He stayed around until he was ready to move a little bit forward and saw his entry back in. You know what I mean? Like that, he, he took his, he could make that full circle to where he really wanted to be. Um, yeah, I, I would totally, I would, I, you'd have to. They would have to drag me kicking and screaming, mm-hmm. and I don't think they would. So then I think I would. I would want to stay here because I wouldn't be ready to leave them. Do you think that it's possible to decide to stay here, see that things are okay, go where the other is, yeah. the other world? Yeah. yeah. I think and that's. Then, oh. Something happens here. Your son, uh, you know. Let's say it's a good thing. He has twins. Yeah. And could Dip this, in. Yeah. Could this call you from that yeah. other area? To yeah. You in? I think that's the difference between ghosts and spirit. Yeah. Ghosts are haunting yeah. things, right? They are they are stuck here. Yeah. You, you haven't made that transition onto where you are. But spirits, spirit can dip in, mm-hmm. can dip out. Uh, could it be a misunderstanding? I'm sorry. No, you're, you're fine. Um, I think that's why ghosts move things, flicker lights, do all of that kind of shit because they're like, I want your attention. Like, hello, like, I'm, I'm here. I'm here still. Why aren't you, you can't see me, you can't whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, they move shit. And maybe they don't know that if it's traumatic, if an accident happened, they might not even know. They might not know. So that's that, a ghost. Uh, like, maybe the fact that I feel like ghosts sometimes have this, you know, I've not encountered one, so this is based off of just... But that they're stuck. Mm-hmm. They say that they're stuck. Restless is that, dead. Is yeah. that because they haven't been, you know, maybe they're so f- transfixed on, you know, the trauma or the revenge or the my house is, was everything, I can't, yeah. you know, whatever. Uh, 
shit. There can be a fear of, okay, <laughs> I did some bad shit and I'm scared I of I don't know what, where I'm going. Right? Oh, where okay. am I going? Right. And now I don't want to go anywhere because I'm afraid, am I going to be punished? Is it, right? What is their overarching religious right. or their cosmological belief there? And maybe maybe they're lost and looking for someone else. Like, where is mm-hmm. my mom, right? Yeah, and I think what I was going to say about it was having come to terms with, okay, this isn't my house, or okay, my kids are going to be fine, and then yeah. not be able to have to be stuck. Because that, yeah. that sounds terrible. But, I always see, like, cabinets move and lights flickering and shit, and I'm thinking... Is that what we're going to fucking do in the afterlife? Just sit around and flip this switch over and over again? I mean, that sounds like, like shit. My, a confused, lost ghost, yes. Yeah. But, a, but Spirit, no. Spirits, no. My ancestors have only moved one thing, and it was a pair of scissors. They're the kitchen scissors, and I knew that they wanted a pair of scissors because they told me probably a week or so earlier, they were like, we need a pair of scissors. It's a tool that I use now when I do shedding ceremonies. Um, I love my pair of scissors. So what did you do with the scissors when they 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 ask you for them? You get them what you put it on the altar. Put it on the altar. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and then once it's on the altar, it moves. No, so it was a, so they told me that they wanted a pair of scissors, and right. I said, okay, I'll get you a pair of scissors. Obviously, I did not do it quick enough <laughs> because I was like I was trying to find my kitchen scissors. You know, just scissors that you use in the kitchen. Um, and I was like, I cannot find these scissors. And I asked my roommate, I was like, Taylor, where are these scissors at? She's like, I don't know. We searched over the entire apartment, could not find these scissors. I was like, hang on. And I opened the door to where my altar was at that time, and they were sitting on my robes <laughs> on the altar. Wow. And I was like, I was like, okay, guys. I was like, you don't have to take things. I will get you the scissors. And I bought them the scissors, yeah. you know. And I consecrated them as soon as they came, and they're a beautiful, gorgeous pair of scissors, you know. So that was the, but it was because they told me they wanted it. It wasn't to scare me or frighten me or freak me out or whatever because they don't need to do that. I give them enough attention. They're not asking for any more because I, I do what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but also to going, referencing back to what you said about like being stuck, um, there is a lot of, I guess, evidence. This is why um, paranormal researchers want to go to asylums and um, war places where war was because trauma, mass trauma, isn't uh, creates an energetic vortex that yeah. will trap the spirits there. I don't know why. It is astounding to me to think that people want to communicate with spirits of an insane asylum. One because they're horribly upset. They were hor- they were mistreated awfully. But also, what information are you going to get from a spirit that that can't talk or can't have a coherent thought? I would want to go to those places to help them. Yeah, that's get out. Them so like, how, go. Do, how do you? Yeah, are you stuck? I mean, are you insane when you're dead now? Then too? I mean, if you're an earthbound spirit, you're still. So what I said earlier about beloved dead, when you go to the other side, you lose your like human dogma. So your Nazi ancestor that moved on is no longer a Nazi in the spirit world. Right. But so would you... if your Nazi ancestor didn't move on, they are still they still have their ba- they're bound to that human dogma. Same thing with spirits that have schizophrenia or any type of like mental disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I don't think the PC word now is a disorder, but a neurodivergent neurodivergency. Yeah. Like if they haven't moved on for whatever reason, they would still be affected by that. 
maybe the way they were treated, maybe they were angry about the way they were treated because those people aren't necessarily stupid, mm -hmm. right? Just because they're neurodivergent or they have a, you know, something's wrong, quote mm -hmm. unquote, with them doesn't mean that they're dumb and know that they're being mistreated. Yeah, mistreated and abused. So maybe that mm -hmm. anger keeps them locked in that place. So as a, yeah, I mean, it, where does the insane thing if you're insane as a human you die mm -hmm. you're, you're given this choice you know wherever the fuck wherever this is at uh when you're given this choice are you still insane at that moment you know what i mean I mean, who would pick i'm gonna stay down there where i was totally mistreated and i fucking thought torturous fucking things i and think they're for again angry. for whatever reason ang right. they're angry shitty pissy or for for whatever reason, that's why you're supposed to be met on the other side by a spirit that you know or are comfortable with, because you may be neurodivergent and uh, you may not talk, you know. But if you see grandma on the other side and you and grandma made you cookies every birthday, and you and you and grandma were dope best friends, that was your ride or die bad bitch. You loved grandma, and grandma's like, okay, honey, come on, they're gonna be like. Sure, yeah, okay, cool. You know, that's why you're supposed to be met by somebody that you loved in this life. So so the fear of dying is is, is lessened mm -hmm. because you're met by a beloved dad. And in some of these places that are really big on the uh, ghost tours, and I also, to a certain degree, question whether or not what they're actually communicating with is really an actual ghost of a person that was living in it. Because you could, we can create that thought form. Mm -hmm. If this is the famous place and everybody looks into it, they've they've actually studied that. A bunch of, um, was it a bunch of psychics or something like that? Or researchers chose a house, created a story of a spirit that lives in this house. They made it up. Mm -hmm. They talked about it for a year. And then they hired a medium to go walk through that house and that medium communicated with the fucking thought form that these people made up, mm -hmm. which I thought, okay, now, now you're, now you're freaking me out here because that you guys made that up. Mm -hmm. Got the name, everything, the whole story about this person that lived in the house, which never actually existed. So, are we creating thought forms of these things? And it's interesting. And it's interesting too because my godmother, when we had talked about it, because like. I think uh, communicating with spirits and being able to summon the spirits is like a very, ba not basic, excuse me, that is an elementary gift that I think sp witches have and should have is the ability to communicate with the dead. Um, not only is like I'm a necromancer, you know, but mm -hmm. you as a witch should be able to not maybe talk to the dead, but be able to commune with them to a certain level of degree. Um, my godmother was like, you should never summon spirits outside of your frame. And I was like, why? And she was like, well, no, how... Define frame. Your, so your ancestral frame. The spirits that work and walk with you. Okay. Um, so I was telling you earlier about the spirit that reads the tarot. She's a spirit of my frame. I wouldn't call um, Madame Lenormand, mm -hmm. Madame Lenormand, to read my Lenormand cards. Because I don't know her. She doesn't know... Why would she help me? And also because, as you had said earlier, how do you know who you're talking to? You have to test the spirit. Yeah. You have to test the spirit. You can ask grandma, what was what was the secret ingredient in your cookie recipe? You you if you know grandma's secret ingredient was a bit of bacon grease 
and grandma's tells you, oh, it was bacon grease. Well, now you know that's grandma. But if you don't know the spirit, how are you supposed to know what to, how to question it to, to say it's authenticity? So, I mean, we were uh, talking about like this being trapped, right? Um, it's also my thought and belief that higher entities or lower entities, you know, of a higher dichotomy or hierarchy um, can absolutely withhold being uh, uh, spirits of the dead, you know? So the one time I saw a demon and I read a lady at the store that I read for, she was like, I have a demon on me. And I was like, girl, no, you don't. Everyone who trips three times thinks that they have a demon on them. But I sat down with her and I looked and I saw like a black clawed hand on her left shoulder, which is the side of spirit. Um, and I was like, literally as soon as I sat down, I was like, did you go to an insane asylum? Yes. Did you just walk up in there and were like, I'll talk to any spirit who wants to talk to me? Yes. And boom. I was like, that's where you got. I was like, was it at night? Yep. And she didn't even tell me. I just immediately knew. And then I actually felt when we were talking, like my chest being pressed against. And I was like, it's really hard. Is it hard for you to breathe right now? And she said, yes. So uh, I, so it's my belief also that places that experience a lot of trauma, a lot of suffering attract, I don't like the word neg like lower vibration, mm -hmm. you know, but like negative spirits yeah. and the energy of that negativity could absolutely keep things from moving on because it's, you know, Imagine like a dark cloud. You can't see the sun through the dark cloud, even though you know the sun's there, but you can't you can't see the sun yeah. because it's it's being covered. Um, so so I think it would be a great idea to go somewhere like an insane asylum of some kind and give them some light. Not only, but it would also you'd have to like protect the shit out of yourself because you don't want things. Right. You want to take anything home with you. Taking anything home with you, even though you could probably take it out of that space, but that's actually a ritual that you mm -hmm. could do. It's an ele elevating the spirit. Yeah, what do you think that? Well, why does a spirit choose to attach to somebody? I mean, is it just like attention? As or? An and a, a battery source, mm -hmm. an energy source. Who knows? They probably they might be all sorts of different reasons. You might have to ask that particular spirit. What are you benefiting from this? You know, why are you liking? Why was she? Why was this one attached to her? Did it? Did you know why? Or just was an opportunity? An opportunity. Yeah. That's because also like you have to think about like, um, with her specifically. She just opened herself up, and she was an older woman, and I was like, come on. Where you have not seen a single scary movie where this shit happens? Are you like, <laughs> like, come on? This is why I also think modern people are really lacking like basic, like spiritual knowledge, right? Because like, what the fuck? Are you serious? Right. But so that wouldn't have probably flown a few generations back. They would, you know, hold your breath when you go in by the cemetery. Don't whistle at jump. night. Right. Like, right. Like, were I still do that. to protect themselves. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Wow. Um, I like that idea. Absolutely. I mean, I never asked the demon why, but also because, like, I didn't want to. After she left, I cleansed the space. Out of that space. Sure. Oh, fuck yeah. I mean, he was a he was attached to her, you know, wasn't she, right. it, he wasn't going to jump to me, but also negative things will always attach to, and it's, and horror movies have this right. This is one of the one thing they only have right in, in, in any horror movie, 
is that negative spirits always attach to, I guess, quote unquote, the weaker person, right? So like, it's not going to attach to me because one, I'd fucking laugh. I would think that'd be, <laughs> I think that would be hilarious to think that something like that negative would attach itself to me because I feel like really set in my like spirituality. Um, also because my godmother is the best cleaner and I, I know, you know, like that's what she does. So like, come on. Wasted effort. Wasted effort. You, you know, like cleansing of your spirit. And soul yeah. And such. yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. the one that taught me a, a shedding ceremony. Um, which releases a, like negative. It's the it's the whammy. That woman needed a shedding. Um, probably a few of them actually. But um, spirits can attach you for whatever reason. They like Tamara's hair. Mm. Yeah. You know, jealousy, envy. Right. Something know. that they identify with. Maybe you are a, quite a jealous, angry person, and they're mm. jealous and angry, and they like attracts like. Or you happen to look like their ex-wife that oh, died and dude, moved on. There was the one thing that, <laughs> yeah, we had, uh, I mentioned her earlier, my former best friend from growing up mm-hmm. until my, my 30s. We sat down with the woman who had attuned me back in the day appropriately with Reiki, right? Yeah. I never utilized Reiki for anybody else other than like my aunts when my her back hurt. But it was mostly I figured out like a healing ceremony for myself to break some ties that I had that I needed to move on from. But it was Christine and Christine. Christine literally sat with my friend Christine and put her hands on her and she went, you have a spirit that's attached to you. And we were in the middle of Whole Foods. Oh. Like she was doing this as a Whole Foods presentation and she was like, we're going to need to talk when we're done. Mm-hmm. And... We thought back, the stuff that Christine started to say, the the reader, to the person who had this attachment, yeah, there was a spirit absolutely attached to her. And I never liked the neighborhood that she lived in. It was weird. It was like residential. But then there was like this industrial kind of area. And it just felt like jank. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't like it. Ever liked it. And sh- we ended up having to go to her house. I had seen it once. I had seen him walk by. I'd seen his legs right at the same time that she had seen his top. He used to act like he was helpful to her. So right before she'd get into a blowout fight with her mother, she would the doorbell would fucking ring and they'd be, go to the door and there would never be anyone there. And it was started to be like, this became a signal. The shit's about to go down. You actually kind of need me. Mm-hmm. And she worked it back to somebody who had died in the area back in the days of like the railroad and Christine happened to look like the woman that he loved and he was attached to her. We all, we did a uh, like a ritual. We walked through that house. We told him that this is not her, that you need to move on. We saged the shit out of that house is what Christine had used and kind of narrowed him down and down in the basement, down to where she was sleeping in her bedroom at the time and sent him past and pack him from there. And having to make sure that Christine stopped thinking about him as a helper, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's how she thought about him after a while. Mm -hmm. He alerts me to when a fight's gonna happen. He's helpful to me. He was making himself helpful to her, Mm -hmm. but he was stuck to her. Mm -hmm. I don't know that she maybe particularly let him go. Girlfriend has not had a successful relationship for as long as I've known her. Oh, I got for as long chills. as I've known her. I got chills. Each of her children's fathers? Nope. Nope. That's exactly why. That is exactly He's why. He's in the way. Yeah, hell yeah. 
He's, he's like, uh, uh-uh, she's mine. Right. And the funny thing is, way. is that he probably doesn't even know that's not the woman he loved. Right. We he's, try to tell him. He if is. If she didn't shut that door on him, and she let that back in, I would be. A, that would be a reason why. That's her. Mm-hmm. And he and he loves, and no one else can love her. Right. You know. Right. So that's abs. That's absolutely could be how it is right. too. You know. I mean, like, there's much more. I mean, you could bar the spirit out, shit, if you wanted to, but also like. Like, you can close the door, but you can also... Hello? Right. But honestly, if she could... Fine. You could be a helper spirit if you want to, and you don't want to move on, but there, here are the rules. Right. Or she getting put in a jar, mm-hmm. and I'll bury, you in, I'll bury you in the graveyard, and right. there you go. Thank you. Okay. You know? Um, oh, we went to ghost stories now. How cool is that? I know. How I love you that. Not? I love that. <laughs> but, you know, I guess, like, circling back around... Ancestors, ancestors won't do that shit. Right, they're helpful. They're helpful. They're I had beneficial. Such a lovely dream once, like when I really wanted to start working with this with them. I just kind of went for this ancestor altar, which I think at that time had just been a nice place where I kept their photos and mm-hmm. they light a candle. Having ancestor altars was very uh, common in my family. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? My grandmother had everybody's mass cards around, and the candles always going. It's like a, you know. Yeah. Common Italian thing. The right? what's around? The mass card. Uh, the, what you get at their funeral. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Usually with the picture of them on it, and like a prayer, and maybe there's okay. a saint um, or Jesus or something on the other side, so you collect everybody's mass cards. Um, but I kind of was like, I would like you like communicate with me a little, guys. Mm-hmm. I'd love to have a dream with you in it. Right? <laughs> and I went to bed. And I had this wild dream of, oh my God, I was wrapping my feet like in uh, furs and strapping them on my feet because it was snowing out. And I went to the door of this like kind of barn shed and standing there was um, Bill the Butcher from Gangs of New York. Mm And he was holding a rock on it that said, like, Valeria or whatever. And I woke up from this dream like, what? You know? And I started to write it down. So I think writing down your dreams helps you figure your dreams out. Absolutely. Your personal dream dictionary. Yeah. And I had no idea what it meant, but I knew it was significant. I mean, yes, do I love the movie Gangs of New York? Of course I do. A little bit. Um, the story of my home city, you know, but as I was writing it out, I figured out, you know, of what, what does Bill the Butcher represent in the movie? He's like the natives, right? They call themselves the native born mm-hmm. Americans. And he's holding this stone that said Valeria, which at the time everyone's watching Game of the Thrones. Yep. And it just was, I'm trying, I'm, I'm wrapping myself and protecting my feet and like, in like an ancient kind of fur Mm -hmm. and so he is standing there as this um you know my mother is born in italy my father's born here as was his father but his father before him is born there and i felt like bill is representing my family born here and he's holding this stone uh, that says valeria and in the the world of Game of Thrones, Daenerys comes from the pl- other place called Valeria. Like, that's her 
ancestry. Mm -hmm. And he was acting like this person, this intermediary mm -hmm. to connect me to a culture and a place and people who I personally feel disconnected from. Mm -hmm. And sort of it was like, it was a nice, like they showed up. Mm -hmm. I, the other time I had asked them for help at the altar, I had done something to myself. I don't know, I don't injured my arm or my shoulder to a point where I literally couldn't lift my arm up. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing a postpartum job where I've got to lift up this baby out of its bed. I mean, I literally, it took everything in me to pick this child up. I can't work like that. And so I just went home and I was like, I laid down, I'm like, I need, I need help. Me and guys like, I need help. And I stood before that altar and I'm like, I, I need your help. I need, I. I can't function like this. And I got the message of say the prayers. Oh, all right. You know, so saying the whole, all the especially the Hail Mary, right? Say the All Father, say the Hail Mary, say the prayers for them. Mm -hmm. I literally woke up, no pain, done, it never came back. Yep. Because I said that I, that I gave them what they wanted. Mm -hmm. So do I say prayers, the Catholic prayers for my ancestors? Sure. Yeah. That's what makes them happy. I, I say it to them. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I'm praying about, you know, the, the Our Father who art in heaven, mm -hmm. but it's energy that I'm giving them prayers that they want, and then mm -hmm. they help. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's uh, folk Catholicism. Absolutely, it you is. You know, like, my aunt, as far as I'm aware, because I'm adopted, so I was told through a misa espiritual or a, a spiritual mass. Mm -hmm. uh, another word for it, I was actually talking to uh, Brax about that earlier, right? About the uh, Mesa Blanca, the white table, um, who my ancestors were. And as far as I'm aware, they're very pagan, you know, very witchy. Um, I mean, obviously, I have like Christian ancestors because I had a dream about my grandma. And she came into my she came into my bedroom, and at that time I had my I had the Morgan's altar in my bedroom. I didn't have anywhere else to put it, and honestly, I didn't mind if she was in the bedroom because she's not there all the time. She's not an ancestor. She's not like I do call her an ancestor of my ancestors, but she's not an actual blood ancestor, so it's okay that her altar is in the bedroom. But I had a dream, and my grandmother was very religious, Christian all the way. Her Bible was like her notebook. She had so many notes written in her Bible. I love her Bible, actually. Um, that's one of the things that I'm going to get when my mom dies, it's, and that's going to go on the altar. Yeah. Um, and I remember get jumping out of bed, like in my dream, and putting myself in front of the altar and being like, Grandma, don't see it. Like, oh my gosh, like, you can't see this. There's a cow skull on it and, like, statuary and, like, Grandma, no. And she was, and she told me, she's like, Samuel, I don't care. I just care about your soul, and my and I took that as she cares if I'm okay with my with my religion, um, and I'm a good person, you know. So uh, that really settled in me that my that religion, in the spiritual sense of it, all leads us to the same thing, or I guess like majority leads us to the same thing. Um, different, what is it? Different paths lead to the same answer right yeah um so that really settled in me that like my extremely christian grandmother is okay with what i do because it makes me a better person yeah and she did not care and so i love that dream 
And my godmother also said that the dead, when the dead talk in dreams, pay attention because you know if it's a dead person, I guess that's a really like a spirit mm-hmm. of your ancestral frame. You know it's them when they talk to you because they don't talk in dreams. Right. So when you see them talk, you you fucking listen. <laughs> you wake you put that little demonic device in your head that when they talk, you fuck wake up and you're like write that shit down. Yeah. Because that will be the easiest way for you to listen to them. Yeah. Um, but I'd also suggest and to wrap up the podcast. Whenever you pray to your ancestors, of which you should do all the time. I love to pray to my ancestors, especially when I'm on a drive. Sometimes like, hey guys, let's chat. And they're always, okay, bet. They all, I love talking to them. Um, because it also fills my, my heart with joy to talk to them. But um, say to them, connect with me in a way that I can understand. We all have psychic gifts. Right. Like we are all gifted psychically in one way or another. And, and you could be gifted in multiple ways. Those weird smells that you get and you're like, huh, I'm smelling perfume. I wonder what that is. Well, if your grandma wore that perfume, give her a spray or two of it. You know, yeah. if your grandpa smokes cigarettes, you smell that cigarette walking by, give him a, give him a cigarette. Um, connect with me in a way that I can understand. So that your ancestors are no longer mumbling, trying to be like, hey, I'm over here. They'll be like, oh. Tamara, she she can see us. Okay, great. So she said, connect with her in a way that she can. I'll just start showing up to her. Then okay, great. Right. You know, like Braxis, he he gets those smells. Okay, great. Well, when I want an offering, I'll make sure that he smells it. Mm-hmm. Like baked, fresh baked bread. I'm not. There's no bread baking. Well, they want some bread now. You know. Yeah. Um, there's a book that I I thought was a pretty decent book called Honoring Your Ancestors. A Guide to Ancestral Veneration by Mallory Voudoise. I read it. I thought it was a nice way if you're if you're like a book. I want a guide. That's one. Is there another one that anyone that you know of that you like? One that I absolutely love. And I will not be able to say the author's name right, because it's in Yoruba, I believe. Um, it's called Ancestor Paths. Honoring Our Ancestors and Guardian Spirits Through Prayers, Rituals, and Offerings by Aladokun. It's an Afro-Caribbean book on ancestor veneration. And I think that people of color have ancestor veneration down to a exact science. You know, I think it's something that white people or even people in the United States have really separated themselves yeah, from because we're scared of death. Mm-hmm. We don't want to die. We want to stay young and beautiful forever. Right. You know, where our uh, cultural counterparts have uh, connected themselves intrinsically with death. I mean, there are people that still, like, during their ancestors, you know, death day will take them out of the grave. And celebrate yes. with them. Watch the know? Dark Tourist. He has an episode on on that. Like, like Dia de los Muertos. That's coming up right after Samhain. Yeah, they'll go and have a nice little party and clean up the graves and decorate yes. them and and eat at the eat, eat right at, there. with them. Yeah. You know, like, like I think that's something that ancestor veneration has taught me. Also, mm-hmm. is that I celebrate life so much more 
because I know that death is an intrinsic part of all life. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is there for you all the time. It's around us all the time, especially during times like this. So uh, say that prayer to your ancestors. Say their names out loud. Connect with them. Show them some love, and they would absolutely 100% give you more than you ever give them. It's a lot easier than we think. It honestly, a, it, a lot of it is. Bless you. Godzilla. Bless you. A lot of it is. A lot of it is. Don't overcomplicate it. No. It will become a lot more unique to you. It will look the same to a lot of people starting ancestor veneration because it all it, you foundationally start the same. But you add special things to the altar after you do it. So, love on your ancestors, and they'll love on you back. Thank you, Samuel. Our next podcast is going to be about. Ouija boards. Bum, bum, bum. So stay tuned for our personal experiences with the spirit talking board. And probably this month. <laughs> and this not the very beginning of next. <laughs> popping up around. Hey, it's snowing. Let's talk about Ouija boards. Let's talk about Ouija boards. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Now, is it Ouija board or is it Ouija board? That was Ouija. Yeah, but look at how it's spelled, it's spelled with an A, isn't right? it? I mean, is everybody just dumb, or what's going on? We'll, we'll find out it is in our next episode. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned. Bop, bop, bop. Beyond the gates, I see my father. Beyond the gates, I see my mother. There I see the line of my people going back to the dawn of time Beyond the gates I see my sister Beyond the gates I see my brother There I see my beloved kin going back to the dawn of time I will take my place among them I will drink of life everlasting I will live in the halls of the mighty until the end of time Beyond the gates I see my father Beyond the gates I see my mother There I see the line of my people going back to the dawn of time Beyond the gates I see my sister Beyond the gates I see my brother There I see my beloved kin Going back to the dawn of time I will take my place among them I will drink of life everlasting I will live in the halls of the mighty Until the end of time Beyond the gates I see my father Beyond the gates I see my mother There I see the line of my people going back to the dawn of time Beyond the gates I see my sister Beyond the gates I see my brother There I see my beloved kin going back to the dawn of time I will take my place among them I will drink of life everlasting I will live in the halls of the mighty until the end of time. Until the end of time. Until the end of time.